first time I walked into this sanctuary, I found its immensity breathtaking. And this huge, beautiful cross, the window, the fire, the Holy Spirit window reaching up into the sky, the roof so high. And then the light, the light dancing on these walls, on these pillars. And I've learned over time that the light is perpetual. Come in at any different time of day. You will see light playing on the, on the walls, a form of delight. This is the enormity and the mystery of God right here in this space. And then my surprise was that to worship here felt like and still feels like an intimate experience. This intimacy with God in the enormity and the beauty of God. We're enfolded in this place, each and every one of us, and we're unfolded also together as an intimate community. Here we sit, we stand, we kneel, we pray, we sing, we hear the word, we taste the word, a real sense of presence of God. And I imagine that for Mary in today's gospel, there was a similar feeling in her home, and likely a way more intense feeling in her home. She anoints Jesus' feet with this incredibly expensive perfume, perfume that likely cost an entire year's wages for a normal laborer. And there's this great intimacy she has with Jesus in awe expressed through anointing his feet. And this awe is born in part because right before this, Jesus has raised Mary's brother Lazarus from the dead. The absolute impossible was made possible. Absolute impossible happened. Real death, real pain, real grief and suffering transformed into life and tangibly present. And so now at dinner, Martha and Mary and Lazarus are sitting there with Jesus sitting there where this miracle is living in this intimate space of their home. So Mary's response is to pour out everything that she has. Pours it out all over Jesus' feet, this incredibly expensive oil. And this is more than gratitude. This is not just a thank you. This is utter this is an emptying of herself in love in response to the love and the power and the awe that she has seen in her brother coming back to life. And it's a transgressive awe. Women were not supposed to touch men, never mind their hair, this intimate part of the body, touching another man. But it's her response to the awe-inspiring, life-inspiring, Jesus has done. Her brother was dead, and now he's alive. The impossible has become possible. And right there in that moment at Jesus' feet, she is embodying what it is to be a disciple, what it is 
means to respond to God's love, to see God's love in the world and pour oneself out in humble service. It's a devotion to the mystery of life, the mystery of God, the mystery of life coming out of inspiring, it is love-inspiring. And she just can't help but devote herself to this hope. It brings to mind a powerful poem by Emily Dickinson. I dwell in possibility, a fairer house than hers, more numerous Visitors, the fairest. For occupation, this, the spreading wide of my narrow hands to gather paradise. Emily, dwelling in possibility beyond words. Windows and doors reaching out, reaching in, an everlasting roof reaching up into the sky. And for Emily and for us, the occupation, the job to open our hands, spread ourselves out to reach for paradise. I dwell in possibility. What she sees is what we see scripture, this expansive love right here in our dwelling place. And I wish I could say that I always live in this space of great possibility. But more often than not, the possibilities I see are of all those things that could go wrong. And how many of us live in dwelling places of limits and barriers to Perhaps we live with cynicism. How much do we challenge expansive divine possibilities? How much may we sometimes be like Judas, who challenges the outpouring of this expensive oil? What about the poor? You can't do that. It's wrong. Now, Jesus' reply sounds really harsh. The poor Jesus is citing Deuteronomy, a text that is likely very well known by Judas and all his disciples and most of his followers at that time. It's a passage with a very clear exhortation to give abundantly to people in need. It's from chapter 15, and some of the word it is giving me, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your needy neighbor. You should rather open your hand, willingly lending enough to meet the need, whatever it may be. And this, give liberally, 
and be ungrudging when you do so. And since there will never cease to be some in need on earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your life. So yes, Jesus is affirming there will always be needy. And he is affirming what is not spoken in the gospel. He is affirming the call to serve. Jesus is affirming the connection between Mary's act of love, what Mary has done for him, to what we are all to do for people in need. And in fact, the poor we always have with us now is Jesus. You think of it when he writes, and it's written, I was hungry, and you gave me food. Thirsty, you gave me something to drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, you gave me clothing. Sick, and you took care of me. In prison, you visited me. Me, Jesus, the poor among us. So it is to those who are in most need that all extravagances to be given. And that's says Jesus, I will not always be with you. So he's essentially saying, do as she has done. Show extravagant love amidst the death, amidst the suffering, the needs of the world. You think about their home, the stench of death still present in newly resurrected Lazarus, and now this incredible aroma filling the whole house. Yes, live generously. This is our dwelling place. This is the dwelling place. In the Eucharistic prayer at the 8 a.m. service, I have a line that I love. We pray to be made one body with Jesus, that he may dwell in us and we in him. So perhaps Emily Dickinson's poem could be our roof, the gambrels of the sky, of visitors 